0: learning podcast show. I'm your host James Wilson and in today's episode we will be talking about science education and technology. With me for this conversation I have Pinellas County Schools Science Content Specialist for high school Lindsay Craven. Good morning. (laughs) And then I also have with us, her staff developer Justin Bending hi James and so <clears throat> again we're going to explore how science education and technology goes together but before we jump into the show I would like my guests to provide a little bit of background information for you so who wants to start
1: Sure. I'll get started. Uh, So yes, my name is Lindsay Craven and I am the high school uh, content specialist for science. And it's a super fun job. I get to visit all of the high schools in the district and I get to see lots of kids doing science and I get to see lots of teachers teaching science. And that is always my happy place when I am out in schools.
0: So Lindsay, um, before we jump to Justin, what'd you do before being the high school content specialist?
1: Before I was the high school specialist, I was actually uh, a science coach, just like Justin is. He'll tell you a little bit about that. And then I was a science teacher at Largo High School for about 11 years.
2: Okay. Uh, Justin? Um, Well, my name is Justin Bending. Uh, Before I was an instructional staff developer, I taught at Lakewood High School for six years. And then uh, I've been in this position for, I think this is year four. Uh, I'm one of two instructional staff developers that we have. And... uh, I like this position it's uh it's nice to to work with teachers and help them with what they need to let them be the best teacher in their classroom that they can and help students you know
0: all right thank you guys so as i sit here and i think about science and science education and uh, most people don't know i i was this close to being a science teacher but originally when i went after a high school, post-secondary, my goal, i for some reason, I was going to be this architectural engineer because it sounded fancy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? That sounds awesome. <laughs> and well, so I had started school and I, I took a lot of math classes. And then when I decided that I wanted to become a teacher and I was, what, what am I going to teach? And I was battling because science to me is the most engaging I think subject that you could teach because there's so many cool things that you can do labs and Experiments and hands-on and it's so real world and relatable But I had more math credits (laughs) and so I ended up teaching math because I didn't want to take you know I wanted the shortest route to completion and so But that that makes me think right the reason that I wanted to be that science teacher is because again When I was in school, thinking back, science to me was was the funnest class that I had as a student. And so, if you guys, as I'm thinking about it now, right, because that was a while ago when I was a student in a K twelve setting.
1: How long ago, James? (laughs) Uh, No, no comment, Lindsay.
0: But uh, you know, we have pre history because we were actually together Mm -hmm. in and going back to school right yep yep so
1: are you trying to out me right now
0: no oh, okay i'm just saying you tried <laughs> to out me so <laughs> so just you know if you're outing me then you know it will Touché. yeah okay <laughs> so i want to from your perspective how has science instruction changed or evolved historically and then with that, what are some of the components of quality science instruction?
1: I like that question a lot. Actually, when I think about how I learned science in, you know, in <clears throat> middle school and high school, I remember learning it from somebody and knowing that I was doing the science that other people have done. But one of the things that I think is really awesome now is that students can actually be the scientist. There's been a a pretty big movement uh, to make a citizen science. And um, this allows regular, everyday people from ages elementary through senior age to just be the scientist and to contribute to all of the different uh, studies, the investigations. They actually are collecting and contributing to the scientific body of data. And that, that information is accessible like widespread. So I I honestly think one of the coolest things is that no matter who you are, you can join a project and actually be part of the contributing scientists instead of just learning about what they are doing and maybe replicating what they're doing. You're actually able to take a a small part in it and contribute to it and kind of author it a little bit. I think that's pretty cool.
2: And James, I think you hit the nail on the head too, where uh, science classes... Naturally engaging because of all the the labs and the hands on activities, and I think that draws people into it. At least that's how it was for me, and why I ended up in the science field. Um, not to throw other subjects under the bus, <laughs> but uh, it's, the science classes that I was always in was it wasn't always just sit and get. Um, of course, you had notes, you learned the information from your teacher, but there was also getting up, moving around, doing things in the lab, going outside, and interacting with the environment. Um, all of those things kind of just came together. And the reason why I guess we're in the science field, mm-hmm. um, and that goes into the, uh, the question that you asked about quality science instruction, incorporating that inquiry, letting the kids figure some things out for themselves, discovering that's what science is all about and just
0: messing around with the,
2: the information that you get and seeing what happens.
0: Exactly. You know, my perspective. And like I said, it was so close to being a science teacher. It's not too late for you, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Never give up on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have to ask the question, you know, because it's here and we're living in it. How has COVID impacted science instruction?
1: This um, this year I I'm out in school, so I'm able to. I'm able to see a lot of rebounding back that I was surprised to see so quickly and surprised in a good way. I can tell you that last year, one of the most sad things for science teachers was um, just we had stopped doing so many of the things that we were just describing. Justin just described it, getting up, moving around, getting our hands on things we had some protocols that we were using for last year for COVID. And it really, um, it really reduced the amount of students in groups and the amount of you know, students using lab materials and microscopes. And we just, we weren't really sure what the best protocols were yet to reduce the spread of COVID. And so really in an abundance of caution, we were exercising very much on the safe side. And, and the result was there was far fewer labs being done with students. I think that last year, there were science students that I'm I'm certain did no lab experiences that we would typically think. That's not to say that it wasn't done, you know, online or virtually, But but the things that get students up and moving, I'm sure there were students that didn't have those experiences last year. So I think It's been amazing to be in classrooms and to see, I think teachers are swinging even in in the other direction by providing earlier and more often more frequent hands-on experiences for students right now just to make up for that. They they know that students didn't get that. And I think that teachers this year are really trying to provide that for students because the teachers missed it and definitely the students missed it too. So that's been a really exciting thing to be able to see when I'm in rooms.
2: Yeah. I can speak from personal experience last year too, cause I was taken out of this role to cover an open position and I was actually in the classroom. Um, and the first, first, first month or two was very hard for me to just sort of stay at the front of the room. I'm always walking around and interacting with students when I'm in my classroom and it was hard to do that. And it was hard to go through science practices with them sitting in their seats, you know? Um, you have to rely on videos to show demos or not demos, but to have them go through the lab to as resources reference. And um, I try to take them outside as much as I can, but you can't do that every day for all things. So uh, it was, it was really tough to, to sort of take that out.
0: Okay. <clears throat> so it sounds like just with all subjects and just education in general, covid severely hindered our or what we would see in a typical science classroom last year but we're we're seeing a little rebound because a lot of school districts have come back uh to full-time in-person uh education opportunities for students not to say that there's not districts that are still going virtual right and so as you guys talk about the labs and Lindsay, you mentioned a little bit that's, you know, during this time, you know, some of the things had to be done uh, virtually. So that links or ties me to our our next thing, right? When I think of science, I, I know there's the science journal and there's a lot of, you know, you're writing down the lab information and everything. And so outside of just taking that, that handwritten data and putting it on a computer or a spreadsheet or something, what are some ways that technology can help enhance science instruction?
1: well, i think I think last year, us as as people who deal with science curriculum, one of the things that we were forced to begin exploring were a lot of different uh, technology based curriculum resources. And honestly, I think even our community partners began exploring how they could provide uh, virtual experiences for students. So I think um, I think that we've we've explored and teachers have explored a lot of virtual field trips that um, uh, that students were able to participate in field trips that they may have taken in person, but last year we weren't able to do field trips so, we were able to go through these virtual field trip experiences that a lot of our, uh, a lot of our partners provided. And I know like South uh, South Cross Bayou Wastewater Treatment Facility, lots of our students would go there and do tours, and uh, they were providing virtual tours. And, um, and also, we really began exploring um, things that have existed, but we just didn't access them, like Skype a Scientist is another cool resource that um, that, we, that we located, and it's really, it was where you could, through Zoom or through Teams, you could connect directly and live with a scientist out in the field, and they could provide that experience where they're showing students even some of the things that they did. So um, I, you know, we really began exploring some things that we just never had had to rely on. They existed before, but we just weren't accessing them. And also we had devices in students' hands for really consistently one of the first times last year here in Pinellas. So we also, uh, you know, we also took the opportunity to begin teaching students some of these platforms that could help them author things. I, I I know in science, infographics are a way to display that data that you just talked about handwritten. Well, it also can be displayed in infographics. And so Adobe Spark, for example, is something that students now have access to. And a lot of teachers really began embracing students, learning how to use some of those some of those uh, platforms and some of those programs to author some of their data content. Uh, so that was, I mean, that w- those were some pretty cool things that we did starting last year out of necessity, but um, it's cool that we're also still using and seeing them now, even though we've resumed a little bit back to normal. So we didn't toss them out.
0: That's, that was, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was gonna ask if you're still seeing you know, the increase in those uh technologies being used because you know as educators we're we're creatures of habit right so we'll revert back to uh what we're comfortable with and like and we all know uh last year's last school year's <clears throat> experience with with the pandemic threw a lot of the teachers out of their comfort zone and so now the opportunity to get back into their comfort zone you know, it's really, really, um, I'm glad that you're seeing teachers still utilizing, uh, technology. Um, Justin, do you have any examples or thoughts on technology in the science classroom? Um, I mean, Lindsay kind of summed it
2: up where things were already out there, but we just didn't really utilize them. And last year sort of forced our hand in a way to, to go out and find those, uh, digital online resources and to be able to use technology in the classroom. Um, I know like there's, there was a, uh, a website that has a bunch of live cams throughout the world in different environments that I, uh, utilized with some of my students to, to show them certain, uh, ecosystems and organism interactions. Um, and I, never really used that before because I didn't know it was there. So um, things like that and other certain online resources. Um, can I say Nearpod? Th- yeah, you can okay. say it. So uh, <laughs> I never used Nearpod either. And I didn't really, I knew it was, existed, but never actually used it myself. And there's so many components to that to make um, a traditional PowerPoint lecture just way more interactive for students. And because the way that I guess our society is now where we rely on technology and everyone seems glued to certain things. Um, we can sort of capitalize on that and uh, use the student's ability to interact through technological means uh, in the classroom for educational purposes.
0: Okay. So you both had some some great responses about that, but <clears throat> I'm gonna play uh, the other side of the fence right for just a second I'm that teacher that you know finally I'm back in my classroom and I've been teaching this way for 20 years and um, yeah I got exposed to the technology but I didn't like it and and you know now I'm gonna have my kids with their lab books and and everything else why should those types of teachers continue to embrace the technology and use the technology in their uh, instruction?
1: Well, I think I have two answers to that one. Um, my, first, my first one is probably to, as, as that teacher, to remind myself of why I became the science teacher and not the math teacher. And, <laughs> um, and one of those things for me, my compelling why, was knowing just how often and how quickly science changed and that I was excited about that change because it meant I would always be on my toes. And so I think a lot of science teachers are also just like that. And they have to remember that we, we got into this to love to constantly be uncomfortable and to constantly have to grow to catch up. And so sometimes just a reminder of that can be really important and, and the catalyst for the scientific changes, ironically, is technology. So those technological changes and advancements are what allow science to change. So to cut off to, to cut off the relationship between technology and science really stifles science. So I, I think that's a good reminder for teachers. And then my second thing is those students have one of the most powerful technological devices in their hands while the teacher would potentially be lecturing (laughs) and um and if we want students to use that cell phone that i just mentioned and we want them to use it for science then um then i think we need to learn how to use that cell phone for science because it is man it is one of the most powerful devices with all of the apps that can be placed on a cell phone for taking measurements and and for integrating data like we're just scratching the surface on that i don't know enough about that that's something i need to explore I, those are my two reasons
2: uh the only thing that i kind of would add is um like i I'm a, I'm a fan of some of the you know older practices they work you know being hands-on being direct in the classroom but there are certain things that you can't accomplish and you can't give students the same experience if you're not using some of those technological pieces that we were discussing like uh having a a scientist Skype in from halfway around the world to talk about what's happening, say, in their experiment in, you know, Germany or something, that they wouldn't necessarily get to have that opportunity to see that guest speaker or interact with that person. Um, Those types of things I would push on that teacher just because why wouldn't wouldn't you want your students to, to be able to experience this, you know?
0: Yeah, well... This has been a great episode talking to you guys. Um, I know myself, what I got from it is that, you know, as the world changes and evolves, right? Science is changing and, and evolving. And technology is directly tied to the evolution of both society and science education. And so I wanna thank both of you for joining me today. and. I hope our listeners was able to get something out of, uh, this podcast as I was, um, for now we will wrap this show and thank everyone for listening until next time, remember to like subscribe and share this podcast. Thank you.